Hello and welcome back to the latest Tink Business Podcast powered by Bank of Ireland. Ronan and Connor Burke co-founded Inscribe after graduating from university in 2017. Inscribe is an automated document fraud detection system that allows businesses to instantly verify their customers when they request proof of income, proof of address or proof of expense information. In 2020, they were listed in Forbes' 30 under 30 list and earlier this year revealed plans to create 30 new Dublin jobs after raising $10.5 million. I talked to Ronan Burke about the technology and the company's ambitions. The, the actual company itself, like it's an interesting time for uh, for for um, for cybersecurity from the point of view of every company as we know it's been hit with phishing attacks and more. Um, fraud is a big issue. Uh, the the whole area of data privacy, data theft, data security, it's a perfect storm, and into it comes. An Irish company called Inscribe, well, Irish founded but US headquartered. T- tell us, tell us about how Inscribe came about. Yeah, for sure. Um, so basically, what we this is back in 2017, 2018, just after we graduated from university, and we were starting to get our first kind of tester of what it's like to interact with the financial services industry. So setting up bank accounts, uh, getting a credit card, trying to get loans, things of this nature, or you're setting up a crypto account. All, all these types of things where you know, we thought they were already solved or that they were actually, you know, just good processes already. But what we actually found and what we experienced firsthand is that the, you know, to apply for a, a very simple uh, checking account or setting up a, you know, a crypto account, they were actually quite long processes. And when we, when we applied, you know, you'd be waiting a couple of days to get a response or in some cases a couple of weeks if it's a little bit more complex. And we got really curious about what was going on behind the scenes. And... Basically, what we learned, well, first thing we thought was, hey, this is just the bigger institutions who had this problem. But then we, we started going to the fintechs and applying there too. And But again, you know, you, you continue bumping up against these poor user experiences and we were wondering why. And um, basically what we learned that is behind the scenes at a lot of these financial institutions, there's a, there's a big problem with assessing risk and in particular, uh, fraud risk. And, you know, these companies are trying to balance growth, efficiency, compliance and fraud. And it's a tricky balance. And um, what we learned is that they just weren't well equipped when it came to the compliance and fraud checks. And this is hindering their overall user experience. And so while they could offer you a very slick sign-up and application form, you know, once you submitted the stuff, it was actually being sent to you know a, a pretty long queue and there's very poor tooling to actually help review that information on the back end. So mm. that's where we got the initial idea from, hey, there should be a good set of uh, tools here and good software which can help alleviate this problem and um yeah you know we our, our ultimate goal then is to help these financial institutions accept more customers but also increase the efficiency of doing so and and, that, and that's the real vector that we're, we're going to tackle here and all, all of it pretty much comes down to trust and uh detecting threats in a similar fashion to how the cybersecurity industry has done it over the past number of decades. It's quite interesting because I know you recently described it as a, a fraud problem, uh, as a $20 billion problem, and you recently brought new software tools. I think that include an AI-powered image fraud detection, secure document collection portal, and uh, enhanced automation features. Now, the interesting thing about all this is that it sounds to me the way you're describing it's the very, uh, I suppose, how you put it, the intention to 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 detect fraud had actually gotten away of itself in the sense that 
you know, it, it just created lots of paperwork and lots of work. And in fact, this inefficiency was preventing actual fraud from being detected, despite the intention to <laughs> detect fraud. Uh, tell, tell us about these. Tell us about these new new features and, and how they work. And you know, there's also a very interesting world happening where I, I think you've seen a lot of companies like Bluevine and Ramp appear, a new new generation of fintechs. Uh, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on that too. But first of all, tell us about the new technology that you've created and then how it blends into the world of traditional banking and this new generation of fintech companies. Yeah, for sure. So when you think of Inscribe and the product features that we develop, um, it all comes down to uh, automating the underwriting and account opening workflows. And so when you want to open up an account uh, or uh, you know, apply for a loan, there's various steps along this journey. The first thing you need to do is provide the information to the institution, and, and that's where our new collection feature comes into play. And so uh, we're building an optimized flow for information to be submitted to these institutions in the first place. And then once it gets submitted, then uh, what tends to happen is uh, some very kind of high level simple checks are performed. And this is where our automation features come into play. And so, for example, if you're submitting a document set, you first need to check that all the documents that were submitted are actually a valid type. And so you're not uploading. Uh, you know, when, when you're when you're requested for a bank statement or utility bill, you are in fact actually uploading those documents. And then another check, you'd be checking if it's within three months old and that the name and address match and so on. And then uh, after that, then uh, this is where some fraud and risk checks can come in. And this is where the, the image fraud detection comes into play, in addition to the already existing features that we have around uh, document forensics. And basically that this this third phase then is about, you know, checking if you can actually trust all this information that was uh, provided. And we've seen from our first-hand experience across working with leading fintechs that three to 5% of applications do actually contain some form of uh, fraudulent or misleading information. And one of, the, one of the most common ways that we've seen is actually uh, folks uh, modifying names and addresses or amounts and numbers on uh, bank statements and utility bills. And uh, image forensics uh, is our way of detecting more of this. And uh, while Fraud is an interesting industry in that it's, it's, it's quite difficult to detect everything, but the more you can detect, the better. And um, the, the, the new features that we released last week then were you know, pushing us in that direction and, and catching more and more for, for our customers. Now, I promised you at the start of this conversation I would avoid lazy uh, comparisons to Stripe because it happens to be set up by two, company, two brothers. But you were set up in San Francisco, as at least I'm reading here in terms of one of the stories about you guys. Uh, yourself, uh, Connor, sorry, yourself and Connor, uh, Oshin Morin and James Eggers set up in San Francisco in 2017. And you were both listed in the Forbes prestigious 30 under 30 list of companies, young innovators in the last year. Uh, how um, how did the company come about? Like, I mean, because it's a very sophisticated problem you're targeting. Tell, tell us about your backgrounds and, and, and how the four of you coalesced into creating it and why and how it happened in San Francisco, not Dublin or, or elsewhere. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I always remember my first exposure to Silicon Valley was actually a, a poster we had up at, a, at home of a Palo Alto and Mountain View kind of a, a caricature of these regions and all the various different companies in it. I remember, so I, I had a boss who said something very similar. It was like this big, big picture on the wall and it was like hundreds, if not thousands of loads of little companies. You'd recognize some names like Analog Devices or Intel, but loads of them, loads of them, National Semiconductor, you name it. Sorry, I'm interrupting there. You got me, you, you got me all nostalgic there. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I think we were about, I don't know, nine or 10 when we first saw this and um, our dad worked in uh, you know, the computer hardware industry as well. And so we always had computers at home. And so that was 
you know, we, we always had an inclination towards, you know, technology and the curiosity towards what was going on over there. And uh, yeah, when we went to university, we studied electrical engineering and that's also where we met uh, Oshin Moore. And so he was a classmate of ours. You yourself, yourself and Connor, you were both in the same class in college too. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> and so that is many benefits. And um, yeah, you know, uh, we, we became good friends with Oshin. He was also, uh, you know, had similar interests. And uh, when it came to, you know, graduation then, Oh, just to, you know, we actually we we're we're also uh, friends with James throughout various other initiatives as well. James is also a uh, very entrepreneurial in nature, and mm. um, you know the Dublin tech scene is quite small, and you you kind of just get to know people very quickly. And um, when it came to graduating from the university, then myself and Connor, we we, we had a, a very like, a long list of projects we wanted to to work on, and you know we didn't really, you know, we just wanted to explore them more so, like regardless of their commercial viability. And so we said we give ourselves a summer after university just to uh, experiment with these and see where they went. And um, that's how we we started um, exploring these problems. And when we started working on some prototypes, we started trying to get companies to use them. And it was only really when, well, it was actually about three months after university, we flew out to San Francisco just to speak to some of these customers. And it was only when we were out there that we started getting requests for customer contracts. And uh, when, you, when, you, when you need to sign a contract, you need to have a legal entity to sign it from. And that's when we established the company then in October 2017. And then from there, you know, things kind of snowball um, and they get more serious. You know, you have, you know, uh, commercial interests and then you have more customer requests and feature requests and, and uh, needs to, uh, you know, have more folks help you build it. And that's where we... Um, shortly after we were in San Francisco, we got our first angel check, which uh, enabled us to continue going for a little bit longer. And then a couple of months after that, in May 2018, we applied to Y Combinator and we were accepted. And yeah, that's uh, that was, you know, one of those like step change uh, events, which put you on a very good trajectory and kind of edit the DNA of your company to you know, expedite things. And and uh, from there, then it was a, a very focused effort on what we're we're doing now. And wow. um, I've been working on it for since 2018. And oh, over the years, you just learn more and more, uh, and you become the expert. You know, Stripe was also a Y Combinator uh, graduate, but the other you're seeing companies like uh, Intercom. Um, I, I always get confused on the Intercom story because uh, one one narrative tells you they were founded in San Francisco and are headquartered in San Francisco. Another narrative is they met in the Three Fe Coffee Shop in in Dublin. I can never get the I'll get, I'll get to the truth of that one someday. But for now. Uh, the starting point of San Francisco. Did you do you, you, you think that gave you advantages over, say, starting in Dublin, or do you think that, you know, you could have easily just started in Dublin, just happened to be the, the, the chips just fell that way that you happened to be in San Francisco that summer, and you know that it, it just was a fortuitous timing. Yeah, it's super interesting. I think the pandemic uh, has shifted that this even more in that direction, and you know, I'm in Dublin as I speak, and. You know, we, we've an engineering and product team in Dublin and our, our go-to-market team in San Francisco. And, you know, I, I think the pandemic plus the, the world of, uh, you know, just doing Zoom calls has really leveled the playing field in that regard. And I think if mm. we were to do it now, yeah, it'd be, it'd be uh, just less of a need. And I think there are, and I personally know more and more Irish startups not needing to go out to San Francisco to raise rounds or get customers. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, on the other hand, though, flying out to San Francisco, 
Um, it is, you know, uh, it takes a bit of an investment to get out there, but I, mm. I, I think it is still worth it in, just in terms of meeting people face to face and, um, you know, getting the, there's also a very good energy in San Francisco as well that can be, uh, can, just can be inspiring as well. Um, however, in saying that though, I, I think the success of Intercom and another great Irish startups like Times and, and Upmost as well, and companies of these nature are, are doing you know, are replicating the same kind of energy in Dublin right now as well. And so, yeah, I, I, I think Dublin now is very different to where it was in, in 2018, even though that's only a, a very short while ago. Uh, I've, I've noticed from my reading as well that you guys also have seen in the last year a 500% year-over-year increase in documents analysed. That's, that's a great proof of your technology. In terms of just where the company itself is going, because last year you raised uh, $10.5 in the Series A, uh, looking at the future, uh, what kind of growth plans do you have for the business itself? Where do you see most of that growth happening? Do you see it in Ireland? Do you see it in the US? You know, and I suppose the inevitable question is, do you, do you see yourself joining, joining the ranks of unicorns at some point in the future? Yeah, you know, for us, uh, and, and it's one of the things uh, YC uh, distilled into us was focus on the really simple things that are within your control, such as like build a good product and then uh, talk to customers. And uh, that's a, something we, we really try to keep in focus. And so just on those two areas, you know, our, our aim over the next couple of years is to power more and more of the account opening and underwriting workflows for these fintechs that we work with, like Ramp yeah. uh, and Bluevine, uh, and then ultimately help them dramatically improve their products and uh, accept more customers. And with this, of course, uh, comes you know, increase in in revenue and volume and also using uh, venture capital as a means to uh, execute against that journey. Um, and yeah, you know, we we're, we're certainly want to make a very large impact here. And um, those types of external validation and, and milestones are, uh, are a byproduct of it. But yeah, you know, certainly um, we, we have very big ambitions here in terms of the impact that we want. Very good, and and like looking at the uh, the current, um, how how many people are, are working with Inscribe at the moment, and do you, do you see your headcount increasing? Yeah, so we're we're currently twenty seven folks uh, across uh, Dublin and San Francisco, and also a, a few people remote as well in London, Arizona, uh, and yeah, you know we're continuously hiring uh, engineers and uh, go to market folks in San Francisco, and yeah, we we do some aggressive uh, growth and uh, hiring plans over. The next few months so if you are interested in uh joining a fast growing startup uh please do get in touch now you mentioned their blue blue scribe and ramp and i and also you know traditional bankers and lenders how is the technology going down in terms of like is this being received as a kind of a godsend by the industry or do, is it a bit of a tough sell i mean because it sounds to me like you know, from you know that 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 this is a you know manna from heaven from the point of view of uh, just trying to get to nail fraud as best you can. But the is is it been is it been well received by traditional bankers and lenders as well as the the new coterie of fintechs? Yeah, it's a great question. So yeah, we've we fortunately had a very uh, good we've we've a very impressive customer list. We can't disclose all the customers, but we're we're working with some of the leading fintechs in the world and also some of the the large institutions, uh, like, you know, the Fortune 500. And yeah, you know, the, in, in terms of like conveying the value, the one thing that we are fortunate with is in the fraud detection industry and automation industry, you, you, the time to value is actually quite short. You know, we can, when we deliver a product, uh, customers can see an ROI in the first 30 days. There's no long training period. There's no like complex configuration. 
uh, we can detect fraud that existing teams will be missing uh, almost immediately. And it's a, that, that, that's a very, we're very fortunate in that regard and that we can prove our value with that ROI alone. And in longer term, the ROIs of automation and also accepting more customers come into play uh, shortly after that. And so uh, in terms of the types of business that you can set up today, B2B SaaS in a fraud detection uh, area is, uh, is, is quite a nice one uh, for, the, for those reasons. Um, and yeah, in terms of large institutions, then, um, you know, we can, our, our product works very similarly for, for each and that the problems that exist in both these types of customers are uh, similar as well. And, you know, it, it, it is worth saying that the large institutions do have a, a history of, you know, building this kind of tooling internally instead of using external uh, best in class solutions, whereas the newer fintechs are, you know, sort of ingrained from the beginning to just use stuff off the shelf instead of trying to build it internally. And so there is a bit of uh, a difference in terms of the institutions who already have large teams and solutions already inbuilt. And it's a bit more of a, a replacement conversation, but still uh, these, these are large institutions. They do have large digital transformation programs ongoing. And as part of that, it is actually this realization that unless, like, unless they use best in class solutions, they will be behind the other competitors who are using best in class solutions. And when it comes to fraud and risk, uh, it's in everybody's interest to use the best in class. And if you're even just using the second or third best in class, uh, your competitors have a, an edge over you. Very good. With that, Roland, best of luck with, with, with the plans in the future. It's, it's a really interesting company and uh, a really great story behind it. And uh, yeah, thanks you, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, John. Mm-hmm.